Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national NBA writer for the Washington Post, here at Oracle Arena in Oakland. My man, Nick Friedel, looks very tired. He's had a long day. Uh, I would say he's the Chicago Bulls writer for ESPN.com, but that's no longer the case because the Bulls are such a trash team now that he uh, is all over the world, basically, covering the team. He was in uh, China with the Timberwolves, the Tom Thibodeau whisperer. Now he's in Oakland. Tell the people, uh, Nick, how your day went today. It's now uh, 10.56 p.m. Pacific time. Give, give the people kind of an insight into what the glamorous life of Nick Friedel is like in uh, today's media environment. Well, Mr. Bontemps, it's good to be with you. <laughs> it's always uh, good to see you, buddy. Always. Uh, I woke up this morning in Toronto by the airport about 6 a.m. Eastern time. And what was the temperature in Toronto today? Snow? I'm not good on the, the Celsius, so yeah. I think it was about 37. Oh, okay. 37 Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit, yeah, right. We'll, right. we'll save the calculations. Was there snow? It's been a long day. It's been a long, long day. day. <laughs> uh, there was not snow, but right. it's supposedly coming in the next couple of oh, days. Oh, okay. But no so snow, though. That's for good. For all the people that are waiting for that Toronto uh, weather <laughs> forecast. Uh, all right, so you wake up at right 6 a.m. 6 a.m. Eastern time in Toronto. Uh, Got to get to the airport early, as you well know, to yeah. clear customs and yeah. go through the process. So my flight to O'Hare uh, from Toronto, because I had to stop over, uh, left at 10 Eastern. Right. I was delayed because of some kind of ground stop at SFO. Uh, of that, course. Uh, so I got, I was late here. Uh, the, the, the short version of this story is nope. I then jump into a cab at about, mm, for Pacific, when I finally landed SFO, grabbed my suitcase because I'm on the road for a week here, and I jump in a cab and I make it. I was supposed to do a uh, an interview on Sports Center at let's see what time would that have been at 5:40 Pacific, and you made it. And I made it by two minutes. I was doing the Home Alone run uh, <laughs> through the security uh, setup. Here outside of Oracle Arena, they had to check my gigantic suitcase, which I totally understand. Right. Uh, and now I am sitting with you. I'm not really sure what city I'm in, but, <laughs> you know, it is, it is funny because everybody always laughs, like, oh, you get to travel a lot. And that part of the job is awesome. But it's on these days, even when I'm exhausted, that I sit here and I go, you know, this job is still pretty damn cool. <laughs> Because in the span of 24 hours, I'm covering a Bulls game where Bobby Portis returns after his suspension. I flip back all the way across uh, the United States to get here, and I get to see the, the Warriors and the Timberwolves. But you, I tell you all the time, you are so lucky to be able to see this Warriors team even without Kevin Durant because they are so much fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, Day in, day out. It, it's crazy how much better they are than everybody. I mean, you, you look at this game. The Wolves come in winning five in a row. They've got Jimmy Butler. They're a great team. Uh, you know, whether they're going to be a 60-win championship-type team like some people maybe thought was like their ceiling, they're probably not that good, but they're still a very good team. Probably one of the seven, be- eight best teams in the league playing well. Warriors without Kevin Durant, who's out with a thigh contusion. It's a one-point game at halftime. Looks like we're going to get a competitive game. I even tweeted at halftime, oh, we've got a fun game. Should be a fun second half. And the Warriors score 44 points in the, sec- in the third quarter and just completely destroy 
the will of the Wolves. You got Tom Thibodeau calls three timeouts, just, you know, clearly. In misery. Just total misery, just throwing his hands up, cursing, just completely upset. Uh, and just like, there's nothing you can do. And that's even without um, Durant thrown in the mix. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, like maybe one of the two or three best players in the world just is like hanging out on the bench and. You know, some shots up right, the game. right, just hanging out. And like Andre Iguodala is going to score 15 points in his wake, and Nick Young is going to make three threes, and things are just going to flow. You and I have watched uh, how this has all kind of unfolded the last couple of years, and certainly you lived this on a, a daily basis uh, out in the Bay Area last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Timmy, I saw him in China. The Warriors. I, I saw both these teams in China. Right. Cool. Yeah. For Nick. Nick spent the whole time in China with both these guys covering the Wolves for his, for uh, ESPN. Yeah. And, in the preseason. So having watched where the Warriors were then, and now seeing them in the regular season uh, again without Durant, it, it's just it's unfair. I mean, they are yeah. head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah. And so long as they stay healthy, there are so many great storylines in the league, and there's so many young players and. And young teams are trying to find their way. But the Warriors are so much better than everybody else that that part of this is just totally anticlimactic. Well, it is kind of the ironic thing about the NBA now, right, in that you're, we're looking at a situation where, you know, so often in the past it was kind of like you got to go through the drudgery of the regular season to get to the playoffs. And the playoffs are when things get really exciting, right? I mean, you you were dealing with that in, in Chicago for years. Like, Absolutely. the Bulls are kind of going, getting to the second round, getting to the conference finals. Like, are they going to break through? Are they going to beat LeBron? Like, that was kind of like you build up to that. Well, like you said, now it's almost been flipped around. Like, the Warriors are so much better than everybody that assuming they're healthy, um, they're going to destroy everyone in the playoffs. Like, I mean, look at the Cavs. Like, the Cavs still probably are the favorites to make the finals, and they play when they want to. I mean, and they're going to get annihilated if they play them in the finals. Mm-hmm. So, like, if they're healthy, like, the regular season has almost become – like, last year's regular season was fascinating and one of the best ones I can remember. And then we get to the playoffs, and the playoffs are just a – they're over when they start. And I feel like we're kind of going to have the same thing this year where there's going to be all these really fun storylines and interesting teams and, like, all kinds of crazy stuff happening. I've already seen a coach fired. Probably going to see a bunch more. Like, all kinds of stuff like that will happen. And then we'll get to the playoffs and just kind of be like, all right, well, if these guys are healthy, they're just going to roll through. Timmy, from a broader perspective, it's what scares me for the league, and I say this as somebody who thinks the league is really in a good place. How sick of seeing the same teams, and in this case Golden State, dominate everybody. Right. Are the casual fans going to get uh, on a on a yearly basis now? I mean, this team, and through no fault of their own, is constructed to dominate. Not just the last couple of years, but this year and sure. and years beyond. Once they look, move if into they that new if they arena. keep if they pay Clay Thompson and they pay Draymond Green, right? Like if those four guys, like forget everybody else. If those four guys stay healthy, like. They're all in their late 20s. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's no reason. Like, look at LeBron. LeBron is 33, and he's or he's going to be 33 in six weeks. And, like, he's still at, you know, close to the peak of his powers. Now, let's say these guys probably aren't going to be quite like LeBron, but still, like, you figure they're all probably going to be good till they're 31 or 32, like peak prime year play. So that's – you're talking four years from now. Like, you could, in theory, have these guys be in the same similar position for four years – They've already been the best team for three. It's what scares people all across the league. Yeah. And and you and I have talked to a lot of different people, and uh, it, it it's what's terrifying for 
anybody who's trying to build any kind of team, let's take the Timberwolves sure. as, as the example, trying to build a win-now team yep. who's trying to mold young players like Towns and Wiggins in the process. If I'm an executive, there is no better time, and I say this as somebody who's covered the Bulls for the last eight <laughs> years, there is no better time to, to tear it down and to tank away, certainly this year, with, without the new lottery rules. Right. And to hope for the best in the future. Right. Because Golden State, I, I mean, I, it's, 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 it's sad and it's entertaining, I guess, at the same time. Because well, I, you like to see greatness, you seen it. right? Right, exactly. You like to see greatness, but at exactly. the same time, like you said, if it's six years in a row of the same exact story. And look, it, the, the chances are, like, what are the chances that happens? 5%? Because, like, stuff's going to happen. Stuff always happens. Because stuff always happens. Right. Just like when the Warriors beat the Thunder two years ago, and I was standing down in the, the tunnel there watching Kevin Durant talk to people after Game 7, thinking, well, this is going to be the next great rival in the NBA for the next five years because these two teams are just going to go at it hammers and tongs year and, after and year after year. And they didn't seem to really like each other. No, then... they hated each other. It was, all kind of, it was great. Like, I still maintain. Like, you've covered some great series yeah. with the Bulls. Yeah. And I, we got to get to the Bulls in a second. But, like, that that – that run, I covered Thunder Spurs, which is Duncan's last series. Then I covered Thunder Warriors, which is, I still think, the best series I've ever, even better. I think it was even better in many ways than the finals were, as great as the finals were, because yep. that was a route for I four agree games. With you. I agree like with that, you. like it was just an incredible playoffs. And like you were like, man, this is great. You've got the Cavs, you got the Warriors, you got the Thunder, like you've got some sexy teams here, like a lot of stuff going on. And then Durant goes to the, Thund- the Warriors, and like they just become this like Galactus that's just you know, swallowing up the league. It is crazy. But look, let's – I don't want to keep – we can't keep you forever because you might fall over. So before I get you back well, to your hotel I with your – I could do that even though – Well, you could. <laughs> you could. But before I get you back to your hotel with your 17 bags that are in the, the media room like a living room mm-hmm. right now, let, let's talk about your teams. Let's start with the team you saw yesterday, the Bulls. Uh, you wrote a great story a few weeks back. I'll link to it in a blog post with the, with the, with the pod, but – um, just kind of summing up, you've been there. What was the first year you covered the team? Was it 2009-10? Was it Rose's second year? Yeah, the I I actually got there when ESPN Chicago started. When I what year when, was that? That was uh, 2009. So right. I saw that great Boston Bulls series. So you were there. That was the years. end of Derek's rookie year, right? It was the end of Derek's rookie year, and then I wasn't traveling all the time that second year. But you were, but you were around. But I was around. But you were around. More. So, you, so from, you saw the essentially, you've seen the entire gamut of the last decade of everything that's happened with the Bulls. You've been Absolutely. there as much as anybody, except for probably our buddy Casey Johnson, and then that's it. So, as you as you kind of look back, you know, kind of referencing that that article you wrote. Um, is it as simple to say as things just never recovered from when Derek planted against the Sixers and went up and blew his knee out? Like, is it that? Is it is it that moment in April of 2012 you point to like they had like it just was never gonna for whatever reason work after that, or was it something later that that really kind of ensured that that era was going to end the way it did? Mr. Bontemps, the answer to your question is yes. That's the moment. I mean, that's when everything shifted for the organization. When, when you talk to the executives and the coaches and the players, that's that is when everything turned. Right. Having said that, once Derek came back, then he got hurt again, and I thought John Paxson made a really good point. The, the Bulls executive VP uh, in that story he said, people don't understand financially the impact that those injuries had, and and I didn't even remember it right off the the bat because so many years had passed but 
when he got hurt, when Derek got hurt, his new max contract with the Derek Rose rule hadn't even kicked in yet. Had not kicked in. Nope. And so you have to build around uh, that guy because that that was like the easiest contract extension in history. Well, and when people they did forget. It. And the, the crazy thing to go back and remind people. So. They had the lockout in 2011. Mm-hmm. They create a rule called the Derrick Rose rule, which still is the rule, where if you win MVP of the league or one of the couple other honors, your first three or four years in the NBA, you get not 25% of the salary cap as a max deal, but 30%. Yep. So Derrick was in his fourth season. They're, the Bulls are in the playoffs. They're the number one seed or number two seed. I don't remember which. They were the number one seed. Number one seed. Right, because the, the Sixers were the eighth seed. Right. right. Um, they, they, they look like they're going to be playing the Heat again in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. Everybody's fired up for that. And then Derek gets hurt, and all of a sudden, like you said, he's two months from beginning a five-year, $90 million contract, or whatever it was at the time. Uh, the, and, and he signed for all five years. All five years, no options, he, There nothing. was no option. He wanted to be yep. there, and they wanted His him home, there. His hometown guy, the guy from Chicago, you know, announced at the end, you know, the hammer guy in the lineups every day from Chicago, number right. one, Derek Rose, like, it was a dream dream scenario. And, you know, like you said, he goes down then, and then that's, you know, 25, you know, 30% of your cap every year for three years just gone. And you have to try to build around that and make it work. Everything that went wrong with the Bulls, if, if we were connecting all the dots, leads at some point directly back to that. Right. And, and look, there are a lot of flaws and a lot of mistakes <laughs> that the Bulls sure. front office have made. Uh, Obviously, personality conflicts, including the fellow who is here today. No right, question with and, that. And, and Tibbs made I mistakes. should say both fellows here today, both <laughs> Jimmy Butler and, and Tom right, every, I mean, there, it, there's, there's always a bull storyline yes, if you look at everywhere, everywhere, all over the place. Everywhere. But uh, the, the most interesting thing to me about that piece that I put together, and it, and it uh, took me months to kind of get all the interviews and put sure. all the thoughts down, was just how much respect even now, that group still has for what they were able to accomplish. Uh, and it, it, on a personal level, I mean, I always felt like I came in right around when Derek came in and, and Joe Keem Noah, and mm-hmm. I was around Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson. That mm-hmm. was the Bulls' core four, mm-hmm. uh, to use a, a baseball reference. Right. <laughs> when those guys started to kind of break apart, and, and notably it was Joe Keem and Jimmy that, really broke off and in the last few years, although they, they patched up uh, the, their differences a little bit this summer, when those guys started to break apart, you went, whoa, this thing is really just spiraling out of control. Yeah. And, and Paxson, to his credit, John Paxson said, I still think that part of the reason all that shift happened in the locker room was because Derek got hurt. Because it changed the order of everything, and right. then Jimmy felt like he deserved well, more well, respect. Well, right. Well, because, we saw it. We uh, saw it. Right. Like we yeah. were talking about it earlier. Like I, I will never forget being in Boston. I right after I, it was two years ago. Like two years ago, I think December. Right after I got this job, Derek was finally back. But like things were weird, and um, I remember before the game, Joe Keem had gotten benched before, like recently, and Joe Keem was like, you know, kind of not really sure what was going on and, like, admitted it. And then after the game, we're in the locker room, me and you and Casey and a couple other people, and Jimmy just goes off on the team and the, what, what are we doing? Like, the, we gotta, we got to have a better direction and we got to get coached harder, like, all this stuff. And it, like, New it was, York. You're thinking of New York. 
at the garden. No, it was in it was in it was in um it was in Boston. Oh, see, you know what? This is the problem. The well, there were so many games. So, well, the Bulls had so many so. Well, there were so many games, but it, but this was in Boston because it, it was after the game. I remember because it was in that it was in that visiting locker room. He's in the corner locker. Exactly. That, but right. That, but I'm saying that was an even different because Jimmy <laughs> the Coach Carter thing was in oh, New York it was all the time. So it was just all, everything was, was happening. All the time. All, but you're right. That what you were describing was in Boston. Yeah. Well, when it was like you could see like. Like we, I was following the league. Like I, I knew what was going. Everybody knew what was going on, but it was like being up close around it. Like yep. you could just see, like in the moment, but like the seams were flying off of everything, and it, like you could just watch it kind of unraveling. And like you said, like I think that's a good point you make that John made. Like I, I don't think anybody there, like everybody there, was content with the way it was, and like I, nobody knew how to adjust from Derek on down. Once that happened, and it, it just did feel like it was a situation nobody could really figure out the right way to extricate themselves from. And so as we bring it all the way back around, Tim, the thing that kills me watching the Timberwolves now is, like, all Jimmy wanted in the end was to have the respect that comes with being the face. Yeah. And, and being the guy. And Jimmy has busted his butt to get to the level where he's at. I mean... No the matter. definition of a guy who's been overlooked at every Absolutely. step. Absolutely. And and for all the the differences of personality and all the issues that have mm-hmm. popped up in these last couple of years for Jimmy, mm-hmm. nobody can take away from Jimmy Butler just how much work he's put in to get to this point. Having said that, it's just so weird because the Bulls just never felt comfortable that he was the guy in the face moving forward. And so now uh, they made the decision uh, over the summer they're going to press the rebuild button, and, and it, is, it is certainly ironic that they're doing it with Tibbs and the, the Timberwolves, but uh, the fact that it's gotten to this point now where uh, the Timberwolves are, are kind of the, the, the Bulls' light team right. now with Towns and Wiggins and some other pieces, right. and the Bulls are looking at this rebuild going, all right, we got to hope that uh, – Larry Markinen and Chris Dunn and Levine, when he comes back, right. can play at a high level. It's, right. It is crazy how it's all worked out over time. And then, oh, by the way, uh, Derrick Rose is still struggling to find any kind of rhythm. Well, Derrick Rose is done. Yeah, I mean, he, like, let's be honest, right? Like, Der- Derrick Rose, uh, like, viable NBA player Derrick Rose went away two or three years ago. Derrick just, he, I, and, and I tell you, in my own personal opinion, I don't think so much it's the, the physical aspect of it. I think it's the mental aspect yeah. of all the injuries. And, and, I mean, you you well know this, but for people that didn't follow the Bulls eight, nine years ago, Derrick Rose, when he came into the league, was beloved in oh. that city. Oh. Beloved. And then he didn't come back after he tore his ACL that next year. And from that point on, when he didn't come back and he didn't uh, – Played the same high level when he re- uh, returned. It just wasn't the same. And Joakim Noah hasn't been the same in New York. He's having his own struggles. But that's what happens uh, over time with every team at some point. It's just that the Bulls didn't win a title, and things just started to spiral out of control. Well, and, on, and it's on a like it's the way it happened too, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like it didn't. It isn't like they. It's not like they were the Knicks of the '90s, right? right? Where like you know, which Tibbs was a part of for a while. Like this team that you know, had a great run and had guys like Charles Oakley and Anthony Mason and Patrick Ewing and John Starks, guys that, like, they had, like, a seven, eight-year run, and they kind of 
it like ended the way they those runs naturally end, right? right. Like those guys right. kind of got old and then eventually faded away and got traded or left or whatever. And you can look back on it kind of fondly. Where it's like the Bulls had that great first year under Tibbs, and then the second year was like, all right, we're gonna get the we're gonna get the, the, the Heat this time. Rip we're gonna Hamilton. get them, right? Right, <laughs> Rip Hamilton. <laughs> we're we're gonna get the Heat this time, and then like it just they just it was like unfinished business. And, like, they never really got they never really got the shot they thought they needed and deserved, right? And then it was like that's, like not, it's a hard, that's a hard thing to grasp, like, if you just feel like you never got the shot. And I, I think that's the biggest thing, like you said, mentally for everybody in Chicago. That was the thing that just it seemed like nobody could ever get over. They're going to be one of those teams that you look back on, uh, the great what-if teams of yeah. all time. And yeah. as we sit here now, I can't. Well, tell Derrick you. Rose is going to be the first MVP in NBA history to not make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I, it's and like it, it's not even and it's, like it's fait accompli. It's very, it's very sad uh, in that regard because oh, because uh, people forget now because like, it's become kind of forgotten. a joke. They, and, like, I mean, they really and, like have look, forgotten. nobody's been more critical of the player Rose is now than me because like he just isn't good and he shouldn't be on an NBA roster in my opinion. But but it, but the, like the early Derrick Rose people, was they, unbelievable player. For, people have forgotten. Oh, uh, totally. And, and I think. With that in mind, I believe that over time, Derek still isn't uh, universally beloved, and, and he probably never will. It'll be come back though in Chicago. Chicago but It'll it come, back. come back. It'll come back. And Derek will get to the point where he gets introduced, and it started to happen in the playoffs last year. He right. Came to a game with his son PJ, in uh, in big roars from the crowd. But over time, oh people, people what, right? The negativity will fade away, and people absolutely. will remember the good stuff as they should, because he. He's he's an iconic. He'll be an iconic player there for and deservedly because he right. was he was incredible. Now we've spent too much time on the on the back. Let's let's bounce <laughs> to the other these teams quick. This is what always happens. That's what always happens. It's always do it. Well, we haven't even talked the about the current Bulls, which I want to talk to you about. If you enjoyed this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash postupnewsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash post-up newsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. Uh, I saw I was I was in Chicago with you early this season. Mm-hmm. I got to see Larry Markkinen. The Bulls are really excited about Markkinen. I know a lot of people were skeptical about him because he's a seven foot guy. You know, people are like, oh, he's going to be like Ryan Anderson or somebody. Guys, kind of, you know, phasing out of the league now. But I think he's been great um, so far. Like every time I've seen him play, he's been really impressive. He's aggressive. He's shooting threes. He hasn't been afraid to kind of step up and be like take big shots and kind of, you know, be willing to step up and be the guy for better for better or worse in terms of uh, trying to describe it. Like. How, what what has been your kind of early take the little bit you've been around them in terms of like has he at least early on kind of exceeded what you expected from him? No doubt, and and I'd say pleasantly surprised. Yeah, uh, and and throughout the organization, I think they all hoped that marketing could come in and have an impact. I just don't think they all believed that he could have this kind of impact so early. The Bulls are ecstatic. 
Yeah. They're ecstatic, Tim. And when you look at where they're at, there's only there's only really a handful of quality NBA players on the roster right now. Right. A lot of guys that haven't gotten a chance. Handful might be handful might be yeah. <laughs> might be charitable. <laughs> right, exactly. But uh, with marketing, right. I mean, Garm packs they get crushed. And again, deservedly so on a lot of levels for right. the, 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 the last few first-round picks they've made. The reason people didn't want to believe that marketing could be good is because, because those guys drafted, drafted him. Yep. That's why. Yep. Uh, but I, I really do believe if he if he bulks up a little bit and he keeps working on his game, I think he's going to be a, a really good player in the yeah. league and a guy that they can certainly build around. Uh, and then you have Chris Dunn. Uh, the other uh, guy they got in that trade along with Zach Levine. Timmy, if he can shoot. Yeah. If he can shoot. Yeah. The Bulls, all of a sudden, if Dunn can shoot and Levine comes back off the ACL injury. Right. And he plays at the same uh, level and gets even if, better even if it's Even if it's marketing is really good. Let's say, yeah, let's say let's say Levine comes back as a solid starter and, and marketing is good. Like that, that trade looks pretty good then. That trade looks really good, and it's going to look even better if Jimmy Butler does not stay in Minnesota right. uh, for the long haul. That's such a huge part and of I wanna, how And I want to get to that. We're gonna I want to get to that. Now, I have one more question for you about the Bulls before we move on. Obviously, yeah. the whole Bobby Portis, Nikola Mirotic thing is very weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a lot of weird stuff. Bobby played last night. You were in Toronto for his return. Um, Miritich has made a lot of noise about wanting to be traded or wanting Bobby to be traded. Uh, the problem for this for Nikola Miritich is that he can't be traded for another two months. I don't know if his people uh, know that really or care. Um, uh, it's just obviously just an incredibly weird uh, situation all the way around. Um, may, I know it's kind of a tough question to ask, but like, what is your take on how that whole situation resolves itself? At this point, I'd be very surprised if Bobby and Nico share the floor again, at, both as members of the Bulls. I think there's there's just so much damage. There's a the physical damage, but the 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 damage within the organization about the the unity narrative that came out in training camp and yes. everybody's going to work hard and and Tim, I, you know Fred Fred Hoiberg. I, I've said it plenty of times. I just don't think he's the right fit in Chicago yes. long term. Yes. But Fred and the coaching staff do deserve credit for getting the players, and the players deserve credit as well to play hard on a nightly basis when they yep. know talent wise they, <laughs> they're not really close on most right. nights. Right. Right. Uh, having said all that, Miritich, just I, I don't get the sense in talking to people around that team that that <laughs> he wants any part of, right. of being back in a locker room with Bobby. Uh, and I think when push comes to shove, let's face it, Bobby has a lot more value uh, throughout the league right now. He's got another year left on uh, on, on his deal. Nico only has one year. Uh, right, team option on the second team year. Team option on the second year. So uh, when that situation resolves itself in whatever fashion it does, uh, one of those guys is going to end up elsewhere, and if you were you were making a bet, it would probably be Miritich would be on his way to another place. So do you, let me ask you this: Do you think Miritich, in your mind, plays another game for the Bulls? Because it kind of sounds like you say no. Right, right now, no. Uh, and and on top of that, I think Nico is so far away from even seeing the floor. Right. I think that's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle here. Originally, it was four to six weeks. 
And then he's, I don't even think he's, he's gotten out of the, uh, the concussion protocol still. Right. So on top of the fact that his, the fractures in his I think he face, might have just the last couple days. The, the, the fractures in his face have to heal right. still. Right. He hasn't <laughs> been able to do hard work. All he's been doing is on like on a bike, which yeah, is and, nothing. And, and Fred was telling us the other day he got into a pool. Uh, so uh, he's a long way away from playing. In, so in that regard, the Bulls have a bunch of time now to figure out what direction uh, they want to go. But, yeah, if you, were, if you were looking at the odds here, the odds are, are long that Nico. Uh, and I think Nico's stays. a guy that could have a lot of value. Uh, not, you know, not that he's going to bring back, you know, not, The Bulls are going to tra- get a lot of value back, but he could have value for – Another yeah, team no, I think situation. you look you look at a lot of teams around the league. Like Nico's a pretty talented player, a guy that can mm-hmm. shoot the three, can can play, you know, both big spots, can can do some stuff. Like especially if you have him on your second unit, in theory, you could do a lot of stuff with him. And it, he's one of those guys with the contract he's got. You could, if you're the Bulls, take on a contract and mm-hmm. take on a pick. You know, maybe they do that with Robin Lopez, like we were talking about earlier before the pod. Like maybe you trade Robin Lopez and get a contract and a pick back, and like start to try to replenish your assets and get some get some guys in there. It's one of the, the, the things that I think fans always forget here. It's not on a player or a coach to tank. Right. It's on a front <laughs> That's office. Right. That's the right. The whole goal for the Bulls this year was to lose enough games to get themselves one of those top three picks yep. uh, going in the draft lottery. Uh, so if you're the Bulls, and I, I, it goes back to uh, what we hit on. They are playing hard, and they are showing guys like Markkanen. They're showing there is some talent around there. Right. You've got to trade Robin Lopez. Yes. And if it's Miritich, like, and it can get you exactly what you said, a, a future asset, move him. Because move him. your yep. whole goal this year was to rack up those losses yep. uh, for the ping pong balls. So yep. uh, that's on Garn Pax to make those decisions, knowing that the, the end game is a lot longer than anything yeah. that happens uh, this season. Now, you're, you're spending a lot of time with the Bucks too. We'll get to the mm-hmm. Wolves last. You're spending a lot of time with the Bucks too. Um, what what is your take on them? Kind of a weird start to the year. They they obviously made the Eric Bledsoe trade yesterday. Um, you know Jabari Parker still out rehabbing. Another Chicago guy dealing with the knee injuries, unfortunately. Um, but watching them uh, in person, it just when I, actually we were both at that game against the Cavs early in the year. It just it feels like they're still a guy or two short. And maybe Eric Bledsoe's that guy. Maybe Jabari when he comes back is that guy. But it still just feels like it's Giannis and then and friends and Giannis and friends, right? Uh, kind of like early LeBron, like 2007 LeBron. Absolutely. Just and, and he just I just hard to see if they have enough pieces around him. At least at this point, maybe Thon Maker develops, you know, stuff like that. But it, it does feel like they're just a couple guys short. Tim, when I when I watch the Bucks, I see a team that that just. They just don't have enough right now. Right. And and we both agree. Giannis is incredible. Oh, I, yeah. I still think so long as they can win a little bit more, he's probably the MVP. because He such, might be. Such a huge part of the MVP is the narrative. And he's going to have that. He's going to have to carry uh, this group into the playoffs and beyond. But uh, when you watch the Bucks, and I, I'm curious, like everybody else, to see how the Bledsoe uh, deal works out. I I just, frankly, I haven't watched enough of Bledsoe to know. And the, the other thing that scares me about Bledsoe is he's racking up. Everybody says, oh, he's got all these numbers. Phoenix Suns are terrible. Right. And they've been terrible yep. for a while. So he's racking up numbers on, on a bad on a team. horrible team. Yep. So, 
And he's another guy that's not a great shooter. Right. So like, Which on a team where you need spacing with Giannis, who the one thing he doesn't have at this point is a jump shot. Absolutely. You know, Bledsoe's not a great shooter. Now, he does a lot of things well, and they need a guy to kind of carry the offense when Giannis is out. And Chris Middleton, I think, has uh, kind of been forced into that role when he's much better as a third guy. Right. And, he's, and he's, so, like, that will help, too. But, like, mm-hmm. it, it is kind of a, a weird – it'll be interesting to see how that fit goes because Bledsoe, um, while he is a good player, he isn't kind of – the exact fit, I would think, of what you would look at and say, this is what this team needs. No, and if you're the Bucks, it's a risk you're willing to take sure. because, uh, you know, you let's face facts. Nobody or or very few guys are are going to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to sign. I'm going to go to Milwaukee. Huge yep. money in Milwaukee. Yep. Uh, you know, Bucks fans are going to get all upset hearing that, but that is the truth. Well, and Bledsoe's a guy too that, like you mentioned, he's been in Phoenix. I, I know that he was a guy, he was just desperate to get out of Phoenix and to get to somewhere where he could be in a competitive situation. Because well, basically, he's been in Phoenix for four or five years now. If you remember, he signed. His, he had to stay there as a restricted free agent. He had a long holdout. Like he. He wants to be in a place where he feels like they're competitive. And Milwaukee, with Giannis, is going to be in the playoffs and competitive. So it will be fascinating to see what kind of effort he gives and what he looks like because, you know, he wanted out of there and now he got, got out. So now, for, from my perspective, it's like, all right, Eric Bledsoe, like, let's what see got? it. What do you got? What you got? Uh, in summation on the Bucks. Yeah. I just I don't think right now they are good enough. Right. Because people say Giannis is awesome. Giannis is awesome. But if the LeBron early Cavs years taught right. us anything, it's that, okay, LeBron, Giannis, those guys can be unbelievable all the time and, right. and carry you through a playoff series or two. But in order to really make the jump, you need other heavy hitters around well, them. Right. That's not what the Bucks. Well, have. Well, let's be honest. The NBA 10 years ago when LeBron went to the finals in 2007 with that, with that team, right. that was pretty bad. This year, this, is, this, this version of the NBA is far, far better. Absolutely. Than that one. Absolutely. Much deeper, for sure. What, um, last thing here on the Wolves, as Anthony Slater stops by, what, uh, what is your general take on this? You've been around this team probably even more in Chicago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously not a great game tonight, but uh, as you see kind of, you know, Tib, the, the Chicago reunion happen here and kind of Tibbs try to finally get, you know, his kind of imprint on this team, um, what, what is your sense of, of where that maturation process is at for these guys? If I were a Timberwolves fan, I'd be a little nervous right now because I think what we've seen from them in the last couple of weeks is a little bit of fool's gold. Yeah? When you, well, why is that? When you see the Timberwolves play and you see Tibbs screaming and yelling and, and trying to get them doing what they're supposed to be doing, having watched them now, and, and it's a little different with, with Taj and Jimmy, but I haven't watched them. They have not been playing defense. Right. They're just not playing defense. And, okay, the Warriors are the Warriors. So you, you sure. kind of throw, throw that, that, out. that out. Throw that out. Fine. But uh, they have been giving up a ton of points. The they, defensive numbers still aren't good. They're, they came into tonight's game <laughs> at the bottom. Uh, near the bottom, they were fourth last in defensive efficiency. Right, 27th. I mean, they... This is a team with Tibbs that should have all the principles locked in. And, and there's still time. I mean, we're, we're only a month into this season. There is still time. It's just that when you combine the fact that uh, the Timberwolves have not played defense really well and I don't think they still have enough shooting to get them to where they want to go. Right. And you can see that tonight. Yeah. Like they got some open looks. And, like, even without Durant, Golden State just – 
you could just see they were going to outshoot them all yep. game. Like, no matter what the Wolves are going to do, they, it's going to be hard for them ever to score enough to compete with the Warriors. And so, I think in the end for Minnesota, they're going to get in the playoffs so long as everybody stays healthy. But I don't expect them to make much of a push once they do get there. One, because mostly it's a young team that's, that hasn't been there. Right. And two, I just don't think they have enough pieces for as many pieces as they do have to make that kind of noise in the Western Conference. Yeah, no, it's it's hard to argue with that. I mean, and, and look, I think when you look at the defense stuff, I mean, it all comes back to Wiggins and Towns, right? Yep, absolutely. I mean, the, Towns especially just has been really disappointing to me defensively. He has all the tools. You saw him two years ago. I was here when they beat the 7-3-9 Warriors mm-hmm. here, and Towns is switching out to Steph Curry at the perimeter and playing like a maniac on like defense. Like old Joe Team Noah. Yeah, it, right. And and I think that's no. there's no small part of the reason that Tom Thibodeau went to Minnesota is because he saw that guy and said that guy Absolutely. could be MVP of the league. Absolutely. And even more than Wiggins. Wiggins, you know, Wiggins, is it, it floats in and out sometimes, but – um, but Towns was the guy that you looked at like this guy's going to be a two-way monster, and he just hasn't shown that so far. It, he's a double-double machine, and he's the anchor of what they want to do, but in order to, to make the, the leap that I know Tibbs wants him to make and, and the, the league kind of expects him to make, you can say all you want about Jimmy, and, and for the most part, Jimmy has been very, very good in this role yeah. as kind of the Tibbs trans. He's doing everything they need him to do. Not necessarily scoring all the time, but he's filling in all the gaps. I think playing really well. He, I think he is, too. Towns has to be he has to be the straw that stirs the drink. Yeah. And if Towns can improve defensively even more, then maybe Minnesota has more of a uh, an open door uh, to something this year. It's just that I don't... I don't think this mix with everything they have in place is going to pay off uh, the way they want. Yeah, and, and maybe it takes something like Towns missing the play, missing the All Star game again, um, and people saying it's because of his defense, which I think is a good chance of happening. You look at how good the Western Conference is depth wise. Like, I could see a lot of voters, especially on our side of things, going, "This guy is getting clowned on defense all the time." Like, I, I'm going to vote in, you know, DeMar- Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis at the Pelicans in the playoffs in January. Like, I could see guys like that getting in ahead. Of, but there's a bunch of guys that could, be, you know, be in the list. The Warriors have four guys to get in. And maybe if maybe if Towns is sitting home in February going, I should be in L.A., and I'm not, and people are saying it's because I didn't show up, like maybe, maybe that's what it'll take. But, you know, it is disappointing that he hasn't shown the growth at that end. But the final thing I wanted to come to is what you mentioned before about Jimmy. Like, nobody's really talked about Jimmy's future. Um, you know, he's obviously got this year and next year. You know Jimmy better than pro- just about anybody in the media. Um, what do you think is going to – and it is way ahead of time, but that's kind of where we are in the NBA now. What's going to factor into his uh, decision-making process, do you think, in terms of where he wants to play next? I think it is so crucially important for the Timberwolves to have success. They, they just – if they want Jimmy Butler to stay, they've got to win. And on top of that, they've got to show to him, hey, man, you're getting every bit of the max Well, and you know, that part you know they're going to do. I mean, Tom Thibodeau's in charge of the money. They're, right, exactly. they're, he's going to get every cent. That's so, not the issue. Okay, so so with that in mind, right. so Jimmy, knowing Jimmy, will say, hey, I just want to win. I just want to win. The only thing I would, would then have as a follow-up is Jimmy, like a lot of guys in the league, a lot of guys, uh, There's, uh, I think there's a part of – a lot of players that would love to be in L.A. Right. And would love to, to have the spotlight of 
of being in the city and uh, you know I, I I think that that would be if I'm a, a Minnesota fan looking ahead because everybody does sure. in the league. That's the situation that would scare me the most is because the Lakers are seemingly turning things around. Yep. They're, they're getting pieces in place. Nobody knows exactly what's going to happen with LeBron yep. Uh, yep. next summer. But yep. if if Jimmy heads anywhere, I would, I would have uh, a pretty good feel that uh, the Lakers would be at least very intriguing to him. Uh, being out there, being on, uh, on another team that has a chance. But if Minnesota takes care of business and he sees the improvement, uh, they've got a better chance than anybody because of they can the give respect. him that money. Exactly the the respect he has for Tibbs and the uh, the the huge amount of money that uh, they'd be able to offer. Yeah, and he's not a guy I don't think that's necessarily going to run to the lights. But no. if but if the Wolves are if the Wolves are what you think they are, at least right now, and they're kind of a middling team. Good, not great. Right. And he sees the lights and, like, look, like, you can you can have fun with scenarios like this. Like, you could say, let's say that Paul George wants to stay in Oklahoma City and Carmelo wants to stay in Oklahoma City. But Carmelo re- opts in. Paul George resigns to mm-hmm. stay with Russ. Like, you could see a scenario where Jimmy Butler's contract expires and Klay Thompson's contract expires and LeBron James plays out next year in Cleveland again, and then, like, you know, you could maybe put together a Clay Thompson, Jimmy Butler, LeBron team with the Lakers. That? And yeah. then that, like, then Clay's not here. Like, this is obviously is just rampant speculation, but, like, you can, but you can look ahead and see a scenario. No, but, like, you can't. Like, look, you know if LeBron's going somewhere, history shows he's going somewhere with a chance to be people. win a championship. Right. He's not going to go play on some, you know, team that's going to be fifth in the West. I'm right. aggregating that. And <laughs> you know, you can and, you go for it, Slater. And this the is, Athletic will get all the hits behind the subscriber wall. <laughs> <laughs> this is, but this is why people are so intrigued by the league right now. Sure. For the the scenarios that that we're all sitting here. That's going why our through. jobs from uh, June fifteenth to October fifteenth are a hell of a lot busier than uh, the other way around, and, and, <laughs> and a hell of a lot busier than they were even you know five six years uh, ago, two years ago. That, that the summer of LeBron changed it in twenty ten, yep. and then in the last couple of years it's just ramped up even more. But as we as we wrap it up, this is why the league. For you know, we talked about all oh, the the worst case scenario of Golden right. State just dominating everybody, right. and right. and LeBron stays in Cleveland, and they just keep beating Cleveland. This is the other the flip side of that is the league has to feel great because there are so many soap opera type storylines. Oh yeah, that filter out all the time. Oh yeah, uh, and you just don't know exactly where guys are going to land. And uh, Jimmy's another example of that of what's going to happen in his future. That oh, there are people here wondering what's going to happen with Clay Thompson. There's, that's been going on for six months right, already, all the and the contract's up in two years, yeah. and he doesn't want to leave. The, <laughs> the, the thing I'd say in the short term, as I have bounced around the league a lot more this season, is I watch Oklahoma City. I saw them three nights in a row yep. um, during their Midwest swing. That is a fun team. Yeah, to, to see. I saw them last night in Sacramento. That was not very fun. <laughs> no, that was not very fun. But I, when I when I watch them, uh, I might be in a minority here on this, but I think that they're going to figure it out. I think by the time they play enough together, going into March and into April, I think they're going to figure it out. Do I think they can beat the Warriors? No, I don't think anybody can beat the Warriors right. if they're healthy. 
But I think Oklahoma City, with the star power they have right, uh, and, and the structure that's in place there, I think they can give them at least a push uh, and maybe get a game or two. I, th- I think they can if they can get some guys to fill out their rotation because I, mm-hmm. I think their three guys are going to mm-hmm. figure it out. Everybody's panicking about them struggling right now. I, I think, to me, the bigger issue is five to nine, like – you know, that, that back half of the rotation, because you got to have eight or nine guys Robertson. that you can go to. Robertson looks like a disaster. Patrick Patterson's knees look shot. Uh, Alex Abrinas, who they need to step up, has been bad. Like, they, they need to get some production from those other guys around them. But, but listen, I, I'm with you. I think when, you, when, when a rubber hits the road in a playoff series and you can play Paul George 44 minutes and Russ 44 minutes mm-hmm. and Carmelo, even at this point in his career, he's still a great scorer. You can play him 36, 37, 38 minutes, like – you're going to be in pretty good shape. I mean, Paul George, you know, went toe-to-toe with the Cavs last year, and the year before he nearly beat the Raptors by himself. So, like, the, the, he's, he's no slouch. So, they're going to be interesting. But, Nick, thanks, man. Um, you were, I know you're flying around the, uh, the, the country at this point. Is there, is there anything Two coming countries. up? Is there co- anything, that's right, in Canada, too. Is there anything coming up you want to pitch, or are you, are you uh, you're just trying to survive right now? I'm, I'm just trying to keep my head above water. I I'd say this, after all the crazy years with the Bulls, I'm really enjoying seeing more of the league. And, I mean, the league's in a really good place right now. I mean, I, it's a lot to talk about. I think that more so than I've ever seen before, forget that I'm, I'm going to these different games, I grew up playing football. I, I grew up uh, watching football. I'm not saying that it's going to happen tomorrow or in the next year or two. You're coming around to my theory. But I do think that the NBA is in a position right now where they haven't been in a long time. Ever. Which is they can challenge uh, the NFL for the day-to-day uh, huge <laughs> impact. The NBA, I'll just I'll say this. The NBA is going to become the, the number one sport in the country. To me, it is a matter of time. It might be 15 years. When it might be 25 if. years. I think so. It might yeah. be 35 years. But you can just see the NBA interest is going is up. The football interest, for a lot of reasons, is going down. There's a lot of systemic, societal slash systemic issues with the sport. I don't think they're going to be able to resolve. And the NBA, like, look, everybody in our age range, you know, with Slater sitting here, our age range down, people, everyone watches basketball. Yep. Tell anybody watches, and they talk about, they talk about it. it all the and time, and that's it. the thing that's changed about the NFL is that the basketball goes on 365 <laughs> days a year, and it never stops. Right, and that's that's the way it's going to be. But we could talk about that for a while. But thanks, uh, thanks for doing this, man, and uh, try to uh, try to just survive here. Okay, you got it. I'm gonna find a way. <laughs> Good to be with you. All right, buddy. thanks, buddy. Thank you again to my pal Nick Fordell for stopping by and doing the podcast. Really appreciate it. Be sure to follow Nick on Twitter, at Nick Fordell. And be sure to follow his work covering the Bulls, Timberwolves, Bucks, the little Detroit Pistons. He's all over the place for ESPN.com. Does an awesome job. He's on the radio. He's on TV. Um, and on top of that, it's a great dude. So uh, definitely follow him on Twitter. Check out his work. As for me, you can find me on Twitter, at Tim Bontemps. You can find me on Facebook, at Tim Bontemps NBA. You can find me in the pages of the Washington Post or on our website at washingtonpost.com slash sports. Please go find the podcast wherever you can get it. iTunes, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, Radio Public, Google Play, um, all over the place. Be sure to go out, go and uh, give us a five-star rating and review. really helps a lot, so thank you for doing that. 
Thank you to Glenn Yoder in the Western States for the theme music for the podcast. People really enjoy their music as they should. I've gotten a lot of compliments on it being on the pod. Uh, so be sure to go support their work and, and find it online and, and give them a listen. Uh, they're, they're a fun band. I've seen them in person. So be sure to check them out. Um, hopefully going to be back uh, again on Friday. Uh, got another guest tentatively lined up. Um, but thanks again to, to Nick for stopping by. And we will talk to you guys again soon.